0: This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Okay, so in any business, Any business, it can be tough to create awareness and accelerate market acceptance when launching a new product or even promoting an existing one. You have to build trust in the right places with the right message and the right people. It's an unrelenting, constant, unforgiving, uphill battle. But for those of you who are about to abandon all hope, don't. In this show, we're going to give you strategies and tactics to improve your go-to-market. And we have an incredible guest on the show today. Here to explore a framework on how to accelerate market market acceptance and shorten the sales cycle is Mr. Warren Schertzinger, managing partner at High Tech Strategies, and, and as his LinkedIn profile says, the luckiest business person alive. Warren, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi. Thank you, uh, Ryan. It's, uh, it's very nice to be here. Thank you. All right. So before we get into, uh, you know, the business stuff. that that is a very bold claim, my friend, (laughs) the luckiest business person alive. Help me help help me and our our listeners understand what do you mean? Why are you the luckiest?
1: Yeah, well, the the emphasis should be on the unspoken word accidental. So it's it's (laughs) I'm accidentally in the right place at the right time. And it really, you know, started with the family I was born into, um, which, you know, I didn't really have any say in that. Um, so my, my grandfather was a uh, professor at Ohio state along with a guy named Everett Rogers. And some, uh, some people may know Everett Rogers is the person who created the, the bell curve coined the term early adopter. He is, uh, You know, the authority on how new products and innovations are accepted. And I I just grew up in that environment. I mean, I I went with with my grandfather to scientific conferences, places like Cornell and Michigan State, I I, we went to experimental farms. We, you know, when we watched, and I, I mean, I'm watching from the sidelines, learned about how people accept New innovations, new products. And I started at a very young age, and um, and then because of that, I was hired by a a, a pretty famous consulting firm, and I got the chance. Uh, while we were actually <clears throat> while we were updating that diffusion of innovation curve, um, I got the chance to actually co-create the chasm concept. And we ended up giving our chasm concept to our coworker, and he wrote a book called uh, Crossing the Chasm. And then I, I've, I've just been in the right place at the right time for some fabulous projects. You know, the 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 largest residential solar project in the U.S. ever. I was part of. And that had to have been
0: in California, yes. It was.
1: I was in Sacramento, right? Sacramento. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and I, I got to do fabulous things with Nico securities in Japan. That was around venture capital and helped um you know helped Boeing introduce uh you know brand new quality control devices for manufacturing. And I I got to help in professional education and um, just, you know, the list is actually quite long, but I'm, I've just been, you know, kind of the, uh, the managing force in commercializing all of these, what I call meaningful innovations over the last
0: 25, 30 years. So that's, that's actually a big deal. And the part that really stands out to me, I mean, I love how you call it by the way, lucky because it is nobody nobody's deserving. It's just you're you're in the right place at the right time and you happen to be the guy, right? So that that's that's fantastic. Yep. But what I really, really like what you what you said was meaningful innovation, meaningful. Right. Right. right? So there's innovations out there that may not really matter a whole lot, Uh but meaningful meaning is kind of the essence of life. So I I, thank you for sharing that. That is meaningful. And now I have to argue with you. Okay, I might be the luckiest person, luckiest business person, because I get to spend some time with you uh, between this episode. And by the way, listeners, we're going to be doing a second episode as well. So Warren, thanks for joining us on the show. Super excited to have you. You're the right guy. Let's go. You ready? I am. Yes. All right. All right. So in preparation for the show, you shared a graphic with us uh, Mm -hmm. of a pyramid, right? We're going to share that now. Um, So if you're watching the show, you'll be able to see it. If you're just listening, check out the show notes for the graphic to follow along. Uh, You know, Help us understand, Warren, why don't don't you give us the story behind the pyramid and the framework that you created? You you bet. Absolutely. Um, And
1: I'm going to just start with a simple little story from this past weekend. Um, so my wife comes to me and says, "Oh, my my earbuds are, are wearing out. I need to buy a new pair of of earbuds. Who do you think I should buy that from? What what product should I buy? Should it be um, from Bosch? Should it be Sennheiser? Maybe I should buy Apple Beats. What what do you think I should buy for new earbuds?" And you think about that, and I've seen this now for so many years in so many places. Before people make a purchase decision that has longer-term consequences, what do they do? Is they reach out to their network, they go and they look to people they trust, and they say, "What do you think I should buy for my situation?" And that's what this pyramid is. Is Every commercial market has this pyramid, which I call an infrastructure. And it's all of the people in between, down at the bottom is the vendor, up at the top is the customer. And it's all of those people in between the two that might have an influence on what purchase is made. And if you can identify those people in your infrastructure pyramid and help them understand exactly what you do and why you're different, then when the customer reaches out to their network, what they hear is consistency, what they see is proof, what it results in is credibility, and the purchase is made much faster. So all all you're doing is helping your, <laughs> helping your wife choose the right product very quickly <clears throat> by, <laughs> by really just lining up all of the different players in that market infrastructure, or some people call it an ecosystem. Um, but you know, there's uh, there's some subtleties and nuances to that, and I also want to make sure everybody understands every market pyramid is different. So, well okay, wait, what do you mean? Help me understand this. Okay, they have different layers. So, you know, the example that that you know that you have is somewhat generic. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, if you take um uh, an industry like healthcare. All right, well, highly regulated. That's going to have a layer in it that's a government agency, probably called the FDA. <laughs> right. Okay, all right. And but also important to healthcare are Um, academic, uh, you know, hospitals, teaching hospitals, they play a big part in that, um, in that purchase process, really, they are a a point of reference. And so depending on what industry you're in, um, you will have different layers, maybe you'll have fewer layers, maybe more. But, but the, the, the The bottom line in this is uh, if you look at the whole pyramid, about 10% of all the people have a bigger influence over the other 90%. It's that 90 10 rule. So you don't have to actually um, say identify names for everybody in every layer. It's really that top 10%, what I call the top tier. It's if you know those top tier players, and those go by different names. Some people call them luminaries, some people call them gurus, some call them power brokers or influencers. But at any rate, about 10%, you identify that top 10% and focus on those people and help them understand where you fit then they will act on your behalf. They will sell on your behalf, and it's and it's extremely powerful because it's word of mouth, and that's got a lot of credibility to it. Um, and then the, the 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 one thing I want to add to this, maybe you've seen these um, studies recently. I know Gartner has been doing some studies that the actual um, sales team is not even invited in. By the customer, for very long uh, for a very long period. In fact, some of the numbers are shockingly low. You you look at a a, a project inside uh, a bigger company, and the vendor can only participate in that process for about six percent of the time.
0: You yeah, think we've about- seen those. We've seen this digital transformation that's happening in the buying cycle and the selling cycle, especially in technology, but it's really becoming ubiquitous. And it's, it's, I don't wanna say frightening, but it's very, very different than what it has been historically, which changes the game, probably impacting this pyramid as well.
1: Well, and think about what all those customers and the buying team or the buying committee, think of what part of what they're doing is they're reaching out to those networks. They're reaching out to those layers. What can we learn? without the salesperson in front of us, what can we learn on our own about this particular category? And what is um, what is the proof that 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 vendor has something that's of value. And if you can get that pyramid to sell for you, when you when you're not invited in, that's fabulous, because it's yeah.
0: high credibility. Okay. So you use that word now a couple times and I want to unpack that. How does this framework, I mean, you, you started to answer the question why this framework is important. You, you mentioned credibility and trust. You meant you mentioned shortening the sales cycle and educating the market. Why is building tra- uh, trust and credibility, you know, why is that important and how does this pyramid help with that?
1: Yeah. Well, um, all right. So uh, a, a couple of things, the, the, uh, the vendor, um, as as you know, from this diagram is at the bottom. And the customer is at the top. And the, the way the customer tends to assign credibility, or what I'll say, um, accept validation, it goes down and down and down, the more you move down the pyramid. That means they give higher um, you know, a, a higher score, if they will, a uh, higher believability, higher credibility to those layers that are close to the top and less credibility to the layers that are close to the bottom. So is, that, is that
0: because there's a separation between the person who's selling the thing and, you know, might, might be considered third party, aloof, no skin in the game. They're just looking at it from a third party perspective.
1: Correct. Okay. Exactly. So that okay. they don't necessarily have anything to gain, the and uh, and the customer um, knows <laughs> that that the sales team and the vendor are going to be biased. Okay, they're going to be biased in favor of their solution and their every product. time, every time. And, and and if they look for validation up at near the top of the pyramid they don't have to worry about that bias. Okay, because that's much less biased. And, um, and they tend to combine that with, and, you know, show me proof, right? So it's, it's like, let me reach out to these people I trust. And let me ask them to prove what it is, the vendor is saying. Okay, so, so that's, those two things are, are just unbelievably powerful. Now, there's another element. If this is the right time, yes, um, yes. All right. What a what a vendor can do is use this pyramid to understand what it is the infrastructure thinks. So it's not like just going to talk to the customer and saying, you know, tell me about your project, tell me about your problems, let's discuss potential solutions all upstream of that, you can go to these different layers and say, all right, well, what do you think? How do you keep track of this category? Who's in this market? Who's good at certain things? Who's good at other things? And you get a sense of how this whole market thinks. And then you can modify what you say, so it fits what they already think. And then things get to be really powerful because you're using words that are anchored to their beliefs. But, but, you know, um, not many people do that. Not many people take the time to see how does this infrastructure already perceive a certain category or a certain vendor? Once you know that and you start to speak in their language, their terminology, confirming their perceptions and beliefs, it is massively powerful.
0: Mm. OK, so um, let's do a, a walkthrough. OK, yep. I, and I know you mentioned this is a generic one, but generic yep. means it could be broad, and so it could be applicable to most of our listeners. So yep. let's, let's walk through this a little bit. Walk me through kind of each step. Um, at least at, at at the you know surface level. Yeah. Um, uh, you know where where should we start here? Where should okay. we start? <clears throat>
1: All right. So the the starting point is what I had mentioned a moment ago is if uh, is you identify the layers, who's in each layer, what are the layers, and then you know the ultimate goal is who's the top ten percent? Who who is the top tier? So if you know who that is. Then you step back and you go, okay, well, where are we in our current market maturity? Are we selling to innovators and early adopters? Or are we selling to the mainstream, early majority? Are we selling, you know, and that's the first half of the curve? Or are we selling to the late majority and laggards? That's the second half of the curve. Where are we? And you decide based on market characteristics, how mature your category is. And then you look and you can see that there are patterns. And if you are in the mainstream early majority, for example, they have preferences. They have certain ways they want to learn about things and they have certain layers that they actually give preference to. So that early majority says, well, we like business articles more than we like technical articles. So we're going to go to the business press. And we're going to also go to industry analysts, because they're, they're they tend to be pretty vertically oriented. And we're going to talk to some consultants who are in our industry. And we're gonna talk to the vendor's existing customers. Okay, right there, those are the layers that are the most important to the early majority. And they're gonna say, and when we find out about this stuff, we wanna find out about it through articles, by going to trade shows, we wanna see product demos, um, show us case studies of proven value, and you know so you right there you have the vehicle to provide in the different layers in which they need to be provided based on the maturity of the market And, and this is something I can send you uh, Ryan, if you'd like, is the, is what I call the content delivery map. It's like, here's what you here Here's the layers that are important for innovators. Here's the layers for early adopters, early and late majority and laggards. And here are the methods that you use to educate them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. We want that. We'll put them in the show notes for our listeners. So of these different areas, these top 10%, as you call them, I love this. Yep. Um, which which of these areas maybe get the most neglected the most often? Yeah, and and it's uh, it's a uh,
1: excuse me it's unfortunate. Um, it, a lot of people talk with and interact with customers and the press. And what what gets neglected, and and I'll I'll tell a little story here. One of the layers, uh, in the generic example I sent, is industry associations. Well, I was working with a company recently, they do CRM refinement. And they are ideal for law firms. And you know, law firms need to sell legal services. (laughs) Right? That's the same as everybody else. So, um, so what they, what they ended up doing, and, and this is in the accidental category, like I am, uh, is they ended up um spending a lot of time at the legal marketing association meetings and what they discovered was a lot of lawyers a lot of law firms as customers went to that association to find out who is the best vendor because they want they want their CRM you know, based selling activities to be a lot stronger, right? So who's the best vendor? Who's ideal for law firms? Uh, Who can we trust? That's really what they're asking. And, and this company went from zero to 30 million in sales, just by focusing on one layer that happened to be the perfect layer for that industry.
0: In that case, it was an industry association. It was an okay. association. Okay, and, so that makes but, that makes good sense. So what I'm hearing yeah. you say is there are potentially, depending on your industry, it it might vary who the most neglected or the most important. You know, it might vary from industry. Okay, so is there yeah. one that's ubiquitous that is the most important, or if you were to rank order, maybe the top three? Is there a top three most important?
1: Okay, so uh, so I I think that. Um, again, and I'm thinking more in terms of where the big markets are, right? The mainstream market has way more people. Innovators and early adopters are only 16% of the whole game, right? So so if you look at the mainstream market, where there's lots and lots of buyers, they are going to want to talk to your existing customers and look at case studies or some kind of testimonial that's going to be huge is leveraging your existing customers as points of credibility for the mainstream buyers. So I'm going to, I'm going to put that one really, really high.
0: Okay. All right. So it's, we actually have data from our own win loss research that supports this significantly. In fact, um, in certain industries, in certain industries, the um, level of, customer reference or referral that you give impacts significantly the win rate. And so uh, aligning the right, the right, and that's the key. Like I said, at the very beginning, it's important to get the right people with the right message and the right connection so that it aligns to the, to, to the, the perspective customer. So I love this That's great. Is there maybe a second or a third?
1: Yeah. Um, Okay. And, and just to step back for just a second, remember, that's a mainstream characteristic mainstream. Yes, sir. A, an early adopter, you know, is going to go ah, okay, that's nice that you've got these other customers, uh, but we don't really care so much. So, <laughs> so it is very, very much uh, a function of, of market maturity. But anyhow, um, you know, I would, um I would say that the deeper you go into the mainstream, the more importance you should place on that layer called standards groups. Because that's what they're trying to do is, um, and that's what why they're called mainstream, is they, they really like to reduce risk and make the ultra-safe choice and, Um, it's just a, it's just a personality characteristic and and it can be an individual can be like that, or an entire company can be like that. But when you start to hear from a standards organization that certain vendors adhere to the standards and here are the ones that maybe they're working on and the, the standards groups really start to take on more and more and more, you know, importance and provide more and more credibility as time goes on. So I, I would add that
0: one. Okay, perfect. So, so far we've got the um, existing customer standards groups. Is there a third one maybe that you would layer in? Um, and then,
1: yeah. the And then the other one would be the business press. Um, so the, uh, you know, the tendency in technology is let's talk about our technology. Right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the more that independent third parties translate your technology and your solution into hard dollars, right. With this is the, these are the business implications of applying this solution and they, and that's, and that's their focus. You know, let's talk about the business side of this, not the technology side. So I'm, I'm going to put that one really high too. Um, And, uh, you know, if you're a founder, you're an engineer, or an inventor, and you have a new, you know, or at least an existing high tech company, it's not as comfortable to talk to people who are going to, you know, really challenge you on your dollars and cents, your business value, that's hard, that's harder for those guys, those guys, but that's, that's more and more important also is, is a business perspective.
0: Okay. So I love that. Um what would be the impact here, Warren? The follow-up question is what would be the impact if we missed those, these most important areas. What happens? Do, yep. we're talking yep. about accelerating our go-to-market, right? Market acceptance. Yes. Or you know, it, what happens yep. if we miss?
1: Yep. So if you leave some out, um, then uh it's time for the customer to reach out to the people they trust and they hear mixed messages.
0: And what's the damage of the mixed message? I think we're cooking with gas here. What's the damage of that?
1: It is. It's It's a delay in purchase. It's the opening the door to competitive solutions. It's, you know, you don't have the whole market wired for success. You don't have the whole infrastructure supporting your solution, only bits and pieces. And it, 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 you know, all of the acceleration potential can go away, uh, and in fact, it will, uh, it will delay the decision. Um, and uh, you know, that's uh, that's one of the uh, challenges is you you need to be pretty comprehensive in really educating all of the top tier, and trying to get to that point where the entire market supports you. Because otherwise, it's long sales cycles uh, and, um, you know, competitive threats, because it's not because it's not all equally supported.
0: Yeah. You know, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about how you claim to be the luckiest business person alive. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's not an uncommon idea that luck favors the prepared, right? So uh-huh. what I'm hearing you say is, um, if you really want to shorten that sales cycle, if you really want to excel or accelerate the market acceptance, we need to have alignment in messaging from from bottom, from the vendor all the way through your pyramid to to your customer. Yep. And everybody in between. Every time we fail to have that alignment, that increases the likelihood of dissonance, of friction, yep. separation, opening the door for competitive competitive um, damage right. and right leaves the decision more to chance. Am I following?
1: Absolutely. And one and one of the things and, and I think we'll talk about this, uh, you know, maybe in, the in the related to them. product launches, yeah, is, is the pyramid is a great way to align an organization. Because you can assign the different layers to different groups. You can say, Oh, okay, you have a partner management group, guess what, <laughs> you're assigned to the partner layer. And uh, oh, you and and you've got um, you know essentially somebody assigned to value-added resellers and system integrators, and you manage that. Well, guess what? You're assigned to them. So you can actually use this to align all the different groups inside a company. And actually, and sadly, that's a that's a, a serious problem. There are so many siloed organizations where you've got product marketing doing one thing you've got go-to-market teams doing something else you got sales and and that they don't coordinate well not Mm. at all Mm. well well the pyramid will will bring them together around a shared
0: uh you know opportunity and it's okay yeah okay so i you know warren if if you were to give our listeners, one single piece of us. I love where you're at with using this framework as an alignment tool yep. internally with your entire go-to-market, you know, anybody that touches your go-to-market, yep. you know, if you were to give our listeners a single piece of advice, Warren, you know, what, what would it be? Yep. Single
1: point is describe your, you know, your technology or your product or your company, Using the words that exist in your customer's head. Okay.
0: What I'm hearing you say, like in between the reading the tea leaves in between the words that you said is don't use your company jargon. Uh, wh- why use the words in your customer's head, and not your company jargon. Right. Because
1: when you anchor to something that they already believe, and and it's really more than just the customer, when you anchor to what the whole infrastructure believes, they don't have to see the world in a new way. They, you know, it's automatically validated, they go, Oh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. That's what I already think, is these things are, are in these categories and these buckets. And I, you know, I, that makes sense to me. And all you're doing is anchoring to what they already believe. And the understanding comes at light speed. And it doesn't take re-education and reorientation. It's, it's like, wow. Okay. I get it. They get it fast.
0: Okay. So Warren um, that, that was awesome. This was a a fantastic first episode. I can't wait for the second one. Um, It's been great having you on the show and listeners stay tuned, you know, join us next week because we're going to have part two when we talk about launching a product here with Warren. And so for more from high-tech strategies and primary intelligence, and to see this pyramid, save it and go back to it often. Check it out in our show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. Thanks again, Warren. You
1: bet. I love it.